Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Welcome back. We are continuing, to, and we're, we're still going to focus on chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. We started looking at it last week, um, and Rick had some amazing things to say. So we're just going to make sure we've gotten out of here what we need to get out. This sewing on of the old and the new has practical implications for churches. When we first started this online church, the number of emails I got, what about that were brick and mortar concepts. Well, how are you going to organize like this? Are you going to, you know, these doctrines? And they wanted us to put a whole bunch of old patches on new things. Now, none of the things that I can remember that they suggested were sinful in any way, but they would have held us back. And let me give you some ideas. A lot of folk who do listen to this are part of the um, a cappella tradition of the Churches of Christ. The rest of you have no clue what that means. The churches of Christ, for a very long time, although many changes have, have occurred, uh, looked upon using an instrument in church as sinful. I'm not going to go into all of that. Just take that as read. So they worked hard on their singing. And I truly believe they sing better than any other group you're going to find religiously. Broad statement, yes. Uh, there are some churches, some congregations better than others. But you get a few hundred people together that know soprano, alto, tenor, and bass and sing all the parts, it'll drive chills all over you. It's amazing. And there are still groups, and I, I think I could say primarily in the South, and a lot of African Americans like the, uh, the Blind Boys of Alabama and such, that still do this in a way that just, wow. Well, I've got friends who believe that we must you know, get that going back again in our churches. The problem is, it's the same problem of Gothic and Sanskrit. I'll explain. The people in India that want to read their sacred scriptures cannot read them in their language. They have to read them in a dead language, Sanskrit, that nobody speaks anymore. So to be a scholar, well-regarded in that religion, you have to learn a whole new language which immediately separates you from everybody that doesn't know it. Gothic is another example. Gothic uh, was a language that rose up, became extremely popular, and then was wiped out within just a couple hundred, 300 years. What if we told people that to really worship God, they had to learn Gothic or read Sanskrit? Or our, our Muslim friends will tell you that if you have a Quran at home, that's not a Quran that the Quran is only in Arabic. And it's a form of Arabic that's not spoken widely. So you have to learn a whole different language. That's why they, they kind of rock as they're reading and memorizing, because and, you've got to get this in you phonetically, if nothing else, uh, or, you, or you haven't read the real book. I'm saying all this to say this, what are we putting in the way of the average person out there coming to Jesus? 
whatever it is, we've created a Jesus and situation. Mm -hmm. you, you want Jesus, but you've got to have our music too. Or you've got to sign this statement of all of these beliefs that you adhere to. Or you, you know, those are old patches, new patches on old, old patches on new. Jesus says no. You know, in fact, as the Bible closes, Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. So we don't resurrect from the grave something else and stick it on to Jesus. Jesus has got to be the author and the finisher of our faith. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to say that before we moved on. Did you yeah. have more you wanted to say? Just to, to write in on it, it's true of almost every part of life is when things start progressing, move forward, there's always voices that say, but we won't have what we have. We, we won't have this. Uh, um, it, in this city that we live in, as I move uh, around with people, as I'm moving, doing what I'm doing during the course of the week and talking with people, there are those that say this is not what it, it used to be and it's not authentic anymore. And it is, you know, I, I wish the old days because that was really what it was. And I don't know what this is now. And then you talk to someone else that's a newcomer to this scene and they said this is off the exactly. hook yes. this is off the chain i'm coming back here again uh, um, forget those other places new york and other places new york, i don't have to go there anymore this is this is it i have found my entertainment thing yeah. and then there's some that kind of flow in the middle that said you know i mean i really liked it you know back when it, is it roy acuff yeah is that was different one, yeah. i really liked that when he had a place at you know, at the hotel out there, that you know, mm -hmm. room for him to stay, and I just enjoy all of it, and just be able to touch it. And now you can't really mingle with them, and it's not really the same. However, you know what? I I kind of like you know some of this music, and I have my kids with me, and and they really like it, and I like being with my kids, mm -hmm. you know. So I mean, I like all all of this, and so we we make it um, as you said, uh, 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 and. If, you know, not a not an yeah, Jesus or, and, you, you yeah. know, yeah, Jesus and 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 it, it doesn't it doesn't we make it that he did not make it that because as we move forward in time, we're constantly progressing. And if we don't allow our faith to progress through this change through us, we're effectively trying to stop Christ back in the century era before us, which we know we can't do. Mm -hmm. But we try to do, and then when it doesn't happen, we become evil and mean, and we start saying things that are not quite accurate about other people. And then when we get comfortable with that, we outright start lying, you know, about things. And um, instead of allowing God to say, you know what, your interpretation was never accurate in the first place. <laughs> it it worked. For that time in your country where you were in this and that, it worked, you know, but I was constantly moving you forward. And um, and so that's the the insistence of Mark in introducing Christ to a nation th that did not grow up with the roots of that kind of faith. He had a kind of a, uh, a canvas, a blank kind of canvas in front of him to be able to go right at stuff, you know, and so many preachers look at this. I wish I could say that.
and still have my job, you know, and have everybody in the church still loving me and not having people. We're not going to be here next Sunday. <laughs> well, you've been here 15 years. Well, what, why? Because, you know, like it, instead of saying, do you still love Jesus? Yes, I love. We, that's what we're going. Yes, I'm going. That needs to be the question. Do, do you, you love Jesus? And, and predominantly, you know, black church in, in America, um, especially in, in faith traditions that, um, that are, are more open, the one thing they want to know of the other preacher, do you know how to tell the story? Mm-hmm. That's the one thing they want to know. They're not locked up on on how you're going to do the communion. They're not locked up on on on, on you know, can can do we have to pass the collection plate to do this or women? They're not locked up. On, do you know Jesus? Mm-hmm. Okay, is, is that where all this is going? Yes. Okay. Well, you, you're good. Go. And and that's the thing. And I'm not suggesting you just talk about Jesus any kind. But but do you know right. what Jesus is? And, and and that's where you're going. And if if so. Wherever you're going is the way God is leading us anyhow. So go ahead and go. Um, eventually, even if you move as fast as we want to, we got to get there. You, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, that's what, and that's one of the key things that makes church fun uh, as opposed to a church that you grow up in. And wonder, I don't know why my parents <laughs> chose that church to grow up in because you know, it's not fun as opposed to when you got to visit somebody else's congregation mm-hmm. and things were popping over there and everybody, you know, and they love the Lord Jesus. That's where I want to be. Well, Mm -hmm. this is what God wants because life is hard and and it sucks a lot out of us to go through with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to celebrate Jesus and this love of moving with him. Well, people are always afraid of breaking the rules. Mark 2 is Jesus breaking the rules. you, You start back here. He interrupts church, forgives a guy of his sins, that that was against the rules. Or then he eats with sinners. Well, that's against the rules. Well, here, they weren't fasting. Well, that's against the rules. And now, we're going to really see what's against the rules. Starting at verse 23. Is it my turn to read? I forget. Um, I'll go with it. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. By the way, the, the way that works, if you've never done it, uh, you go and you, you break off a, straw, uh, a stalk at the head of it. You do that with your hands. And then whew, you blow the chaff off. And then you eat the, the seeds of wheat. You crunch on it. And, and by whenever you dig up a skull from that day, you find worn teeth. Because it wasn't easy on it. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Well, was it unlawful? We'll talk about that. He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the, Lord, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Once again, love trumps law, but man... Is there a lot going on in this? And you and I both have suffered because we preached love and grace. Both you and I have lost friends because we preached love and grace. And we've been uh, invited to leave because we preached love and grace. People want God's love and grace for them, 
but they become very offended when they find out he might be giving it to others. We want all the grace for us, but the idea of God forgiving that person who hurt us, oh, that's offensive. You know, or that situation, or that nation that was at war with it. We get upset when we have the, anybody suggest to us that God's grace might go further than us. And so both of us have gone through that. Um, first of all, what is unlawful on the Sabbath? By this time, they had gotten to the point where they would take an old bit of pottery, break it into pieces, and carry it in the fold of their robe, and every so often throw out a piece. Because that way they were never more than a Sabbath day's journey from their property. I'm talking about legalism run amok. Right? Um, they, they read it as a law rather than as a gift. The Sabbath was supposed to be a gift. You know, there's a room in our house where no electronic devices enter. You walk into that room, you are not connected anymore. We need room in our days. We talked about that a week or two ago where work is not in charge of us, where we, we receive the gift of Sabbath. Mm -hmm. They were making it such a burden. Um, but, and I, I, when we start talking about David and what he did, love trumping a law, I mean, did David sin? Well, yeah, according to the law, he did. What did Jesus say? It was okay. Why? Because he was hungry. I mean, I don't think churches ever really grasp what he's saying here mm -hmm. about love really does cover a multitude of sins. But anyway, I've talked too much. Uh, you you were writing things down, so I want you to. <laughs> the, the, you started triggering some, some thoughts. and um, I've been told I we, trigger people. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> um, the text of verse 25 brings up David. Have you ever read what David did and we know that um, and I'm going to intentionally say this wrong so I can intentionally go back and correct it okay David and Saul were going at each other and it's wrong to say it like that but we often say things like that and we really ought not to David and Saul weren't going at each other Saul was going at David okay yeah, and that that, yeah. that that was clear that and, and so but but it often comes out they were going and they weren't uh, uh, um, David showed remarkable restraint and God's hand and presence and we see it moving all around. and and I never get to the point of ever thinking David knew he was going to become this great David thing I believe it was because he was genuinely humble before God because of what he saw God do in his very life. And him becoming that David, you know, was the end result of what God was doing in him, putting him forward. But they were, they were locked up in the thing because Saul, had, Saul realized that he was declining and it looked like David was the one that was going to take it and he was not having it. Mm -hmm. The same as um, people in church, leadership in the church, whether they be official scriptural leaders like we talk about maybe like elder or something like that of what or unofficial leaders like mm -hmm. the people that sign the biggest checks yeah. or the people that have the loudest mouth 
or the person that tends to threaten and lean in on to get their way, whoever they are. Uh, um, Saul was going, was going at David because David represented a problem. And David was on, on the run. Uh, and, and we'll pick these up in other of the Gospels we'll pick it up, but you can really pick it up back, you know, in the Old Testament. I mean, David, David, David was, flat, was flat on the run. And at one point in time, he had to relocate his parents because he was sure that, that Saul was going to kill him. And, um, and we'll bring that up if it ever comes up again. David goes and relocates his parents in another county, let's say, mm -hmm. so we understand sure. another county. It was another state, but it, but it was close by. And the reason he, he was able to do, I don't even know if he really understood what he was doing, but it was all about God. You know, when they, I need you to watch out for my parents. And the king said, David, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, don't we owe, don't we owe Dave something? And it's something that David's great-grandmother did years, years ago. The king read in a record yeah. and said, get his parents and told him that there are, there are, if, if, if they come for them, they're going to have to come for all of us. And so David's men, I mean, and I'm, I'm sharing this just to break the ice to what David was, his men were tore down. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd been on the run. He didn't want to kill Saul um, because, you know, he, he let him live. He did not want to go through this. He did not. So he was taking all of that of trying to do the right thing on himself so God could get the glory in this. And he was he was he was burnt. Mm -hmm. His men were hungry. Uh, um, and you don't ever hear. There's just one of them maybe that started questioning things. One, and, but he was a, turned out to be a spy among his men. And he said, I'm going to deal with you later. But the rest of them, you never hear a peep out of any of them. You know, we're going to stay right with you right till the end. And, and Patrick, I'm sure that you've experienced it. I know I have, and I know ministers that I talk to, you know, that when you have people in a church that love Jesus, you know, and those congregations start going through stuff because they're trying to maintain the legalistic aspect of the church, you know, it tears your heart apart because the people are saying, I just want to love Jesus, and mm -hmm. I want to just be able to sing and praise and give, and let's do what God wants us to do. But this other thing came in, and um, and you got to carry the weight of that, you know, and that's the hard thing. David's men were hungry. So he shows up to the temple, and there was, a, there was more than just the bread there. You know, the bread is what fed them physically. You know, he didn't have anywhere else to go. So it's not like he wanted to set the priest. It, was, right. it wasn't like right. he wanted to set it up, but he was saying, I don't, you know, and, and so, and so, and then the priest is the one that, that does the theology. He, he's the one that does the hermeneutics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The exegesis on the, <laughs> on, on the text. So he's the one that does it. Oh, wait a minute. He said, oh, okay, well, um, tell me this: Have you have you all not done this? Are you doing this? Are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. And and, and da David got stuck in between the rock and hard place and saying, I, "I'm you know I'm kind of on the run, but not really on the run. But whatever one you need it to be, either I'm <laughs> on the run and not the run. I'm out here." And so the priest says, 
well, good. Now, if the priest really wanted to, I mean, it, it isn't a, a far-flung thought that he could have dug into this in a minute because they, mm -hmm. you know, he said, okay, well, this is, this, and this is God working. He said, okay, all right, here's the bread that comes off the table because we've got to put the, the fresh bread on. All right, now that this fresh bread is here, this is no longer the Lord's bread, the showbread on the table. You know, you can eat this. And he and they do. And the light came back to their eyes, you know, just over a meal like that. But that priest also had a sword that David left there a long time ago. He's, he's, he, he, when he dealt with Goliath, mm -hmm. you, you know, he took that sword, gave it to the priest to put in the temple because this belongs to God. He said, I don't have a weapon. I had to leave in a rush and in a hurry, you know, uh, uh, much like when churches start going this, down this crazy road, much like things start happening in a whirlwind, you know, mm -hmm. preacher, you can't be on the next Sunday, you know, or either we'll pay you to not be on the next Sunday. Yeah. And if you don't let us not pay, you know, pay you, then you're not getting uh, or all the crazy stuff. They're going and people start saying, how do you so love Jesus? Well, this is what's happening to, to David. And he says, well, wait a minute, I got to. I got, I got the sword that you brought, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's here. Why don't, why don't you take it? And then David makes a statement. And, and this is kind of where you, if you can look into the passage, you say, David says, there's no sword in the world like this sword. And the Lord kept it for me until I needed it when I was at my lowest and wits end and my back was up against the wall. And out comes the sword that I gave to him all that time ago for what he did with God. That's how this translates over into this journey that we're making, that we're trying to go. That people who are coming to faith, that are reaching out to touch all of God's people, that are moving in, in this, this, king, this reign of God. Basileia is what? Basileia. Basileia mm -hmm. the, 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 king, the reign of God that Matthew, he, he's, he's looking at that instead of this church on the corner and thinking this is it. And that's what we get strength from. And that's where we find the power of God. And that's where we find the healing and the changing power that comes to those of, that are listening in, in, in India or those that are, are listening in Great Britain or those that are, are listening in Germany or in Africa or South America or here in this country. That's where it comes from. And that's a critically important part you know, that, that David, it's as if David was going through this, but God was maneuvering him all the time. You know. And I love this passage and I go to it a lot because we need to remember churches and individual Christians that there will always be a sin out there that you don't understand you know some sins we understand but there will be some we don't understand and we can say things like well um, you know God's grace cannot cover that Jesus says David's fine because he was hungry even though that went against the rules again the men could eat the you know, on the Sabbath, that didn't really break the rules. That was just a Pharisee rule. But then he says, Sabbath was, men weren't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for you. It was supposed to be a gift. And then he adds, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, you let Jesus decide who's in or who's out. You don't decide who's in or who's out. Jesus is in charge here. I mean, if we invited a bunch of people to our house, 
And one of our guests took it upon themselves to stand in a doorway and decide who's allowed to come in or not. I would be quite offended because I'm supposed to be master of that house, but it's really Miss Cammie. I would just say, <laughs> you don't have the right to decide who comes in and out of my house. You know, I'm the Lord of this house. She's the lady of this house. We decide that. How, how much more absurd is it for us to stand in the door of faith and say, God can forgive my sins, but he will not forgive that one. Or, you know, I cannot excuse that, even though it could be um, kind of like, you know, Les Miserables, you know, the old, old play that became this huge musical later. Uh, Jean Valjean, his great sin was stealing because he was hungry and because other people were hungry. And for the rest of his life, he was being hunted for that. Um, very wonderfully, there's a scene, and I'm, I didn't see the musical. I saw the movie of the musical. Uh, but I read the book back when I was a boy. Uh, he breaks into a bishop's house and steals the silver. And when the policemen c catch him, they bring him back to the bishop to, for the bishop to say, this is, you know, yeah, that's my silver. But the bishop believed more in Jesus and love than he did the rules. So when they bring Jean Valjean back and they say, look, he stole these things from you, the bishop looks at the thief and goes, Jean, you left too early. You didn't get everything I wanted to give you. You forgot these things and started to put more things in the bag. Of course, the inspector is just beside himself, but the bishop is saying, he has a right for these. And there's even more. In that story, the bishop is playing the role of Christ. Who is saying, no, I'll decide what theft is. If he needed this, well, then he should. Now, that doesn't give us the right to steal, obviously. What we're trying to stretch here is, or rather to emphasize here is, we are not the judges of others. Jesus is. It's not our job to sit and tut-tut at the television when the news comes on. It's our job to love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And our neighbors are everybody. You know, Jesus made that plain. So uh, we can relax. We don't have to do the judging. You know, we, we can just be a guest in our Father's house. So Absolutely. anything you want to say before he does something else on the Sabbath? I, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm going to let you read it. Chapter 3, verse 1. Yes. And he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath or that, so that they might accuse him. <laughs> and he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> they, they were at church looking for a way to accuse Jesus. Brother Rick, I've been there. At times, my father 
would take me with him to go listen to a speaker. And it was really our job to point out all the things he said wrong. <laughs> we really believed that's what God wanted us to do. Uh, to keep the faith. And you had to... And so I've been the Pharisee here. There, there's no question. Jesus knows they're doing this. So he gets the man front and center. He's not hiding a thing. He's not going to do this in a corner. And, and later on, you know, um, the apostles will say, these things were not done in a corner. corner. Brings him right up front. Are we brave enough to love the people that are not loved and to serve the people who our church does not serve right in front of them. That's God's called us to a radical form of love and it's going to get you put on a cross. But he says, pick it up. Let's go. And then, of course, and, he, and he, I have a saying I have, Rick, and I don't know that you've ever heard me say it, and that is, in all the miracle stories, the miracle is the least impressive part of the story. <laughs> it is why it was done and the aftermath. Mm -hmm. Well, the bravery of Christ, to use an old Yiddish word, the chutzpah of Christ here. But then, verse 6, the response to a miracle is for the super ultra-religious Pharisees to plot with the evil, murderous, adulterous Herodians to find a way to kill Jesus for being nice to the guy. I'm going to let you talk, Rick, because I don't have words for that. <laughs> I, um, yeah. For, to understand um, the Bible as God's word to his people, and, and then to think about the damage that we in the flesh have done to God's people by demanding um, certain in interpretations. And, and I'm not suggesting that a person goes off willy-nilly and just says anything they want about a text and goes on. Sure. I'm talking about integrous people that are looking hard at this text and looking at the right application uh, of that text. Uh, um, they're trying to merge the academic understanding, the hermeneutics, the, the science of studying the Bible with the exegesis. How does this apply now? How do we understand? And to find out, to come to the reality that there are people among the, that body that are willing to burn that that congregation, that foundation down before they let it yeah. evolve well phrased. Um, is, is almost um, unimaginable. And, and people who have not been in places of faith all their life, you know, can't really understand what this is unless they have some other situation where they can believe it too because it's almost counterintuitive. Um, but it's, it's when Jesus is healing healing him he's putting the people on notice that the way the world has functioned even in the laws of nature that day is coming to an end 
because not only am I your God, I'm also the God of this creation, which means creation bends to me. I don't bend to it. And if this man is, was born, if nature brought him here with a withered hand, I have the power and the ability and the love and the desire and the will to be able to show you what I can do to make this man whole. And this is what religion, this is what moving in forward in Christ, this is what this faith is about. And so imagine for the people that have been in addictions and of different kind that have birthed children into this world with defects or that have been in certain parts of the world and have gotten certain kind of biological things wrong with them in their mm -hmm. body and it spins off and, and in the offspring. The Lord is saying they're not outside of my realm. But if I'm teaching you that God does not work, or that he works to whether you put your offering in out of the check you earn, or if you won the lotto and said, I'm going to bless the Lord. Mm -hmm. Or if, if a man teaches it and not a woman, or if a particular name, you've got to be in this faith tradition of Christ mm -hmm. to be that, and, and limits and cuts them, them out. What are we doing to what? You know, God is showing them here. He is saying that I, I can do, I'm going to show you. Now, in every time when there is a physical manifestation of God's power, that was always and particularly to let them know that there's something on the inside that I'm showing you I can do. And there's something on the inside that I can bring you to. That's the healing. Somebody breaks you down, but you're, you don't become broken right. down. You go through uh, turmoil in your home and your marriage and relationship, you know, but you don't lose your mind or your dignity or your integrity mm -hmm. or you're driving down the road, as you <laughs> mentioned. And Lord knows, you know, they, when somebody <laughs> when, when they when they run you almost off into another road, something in the back of your mind says, OK, gun it and catch them. And let them know that, you know, like, and, and, and instead you say, you know what, there's these other cars going around here, and I want them to get safely to where they're going. And so there's no need for me acting. Matter of fact, I don't even want to. Yeah, I don't like them doing what they did, and I do need to let them know I'm a man, and you just don't <laughs> run over me. But however, that's not important mm -hmm. anymore. I'm, you know, okay, I, I gave myself a minute, I'm back over here. <laughs> and so... That's what he's, Mark, you know, is doing, and he's doing it for, for people that are, I mean, they had the religious traditions, they had other things going on, so they had some sense of, but it was nothing of what Christ could, could do, because this, this, they, they kept saying, he did this, and that's what Christ is trying to show us, is let me show you my real power, mm -hmm. let me show you, and, and even through your mistakes, I'm not going to cast you off, but let me be, be God. And, and to get us focused on the real thing. And that is, is so important here uh, um, because the lawfulness, the lawfulness is what, what is God? Our faith in God. That's where the law is with God and his reign, you know, and that's what he's called us to. That's, that's why the Protestant movement was so powerful when it kicked off because it was directly opposed to a religious tradition that had everything behind locked doors, would not have accountability. You could not approach it. You had to pray to some 
a person here to get something to God. And if you didn't put enough money in, or if they didn't like you, if this, that, and the other, you're out in the cold. Right. You know, blood in the cold. You, you know, and, and Martin Luther came in and said, well, I got a question. <laughs> and, and, and so the thing is, I'll be the shout of people. Wait, wait a minute. I got, I got a question. Why, yeah. why can't we do this? Sounds great. Why don't we <clears throat> end it there? I think we're right at 35 minutes. Thank you. Thank you for those of you that subscribe, those of you that give, uh, those of you that share this website with others. Please do so. Mm -hmm. Everything is out there freely. And um, Rick, Dr. Hunter, and I will be back and continue on this starting next week. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.